I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Ineash Brodsky. And I'm David. All right, this is episode number 68, recording on October 24th, 2022. Uh, we start with some follow-ups from our previous episode. And here's a follow-up from my uh, my troop deployment last episode, which is the Phillies are in the World Series. Woo! Suck it, all other teams. Yeah. And especially you Astros are coming for you. They're, they're the ones you're fighting next game, right? That That, that is the opponent. Correct. Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, and Eniash, you have a couple of follow-ups. I do have a couple of follow-ups. Uh, the first one, we did a story about hearing aids finally being made over the counter. Apparently, you needed a prescription to get them until very recently. Uh, it was in our happy news. Uh, this is not happy news. It's just kind of crazy. The bill that required the FDA to do that, to make them over the counter rather than prescription required, was passed four freaking years ago. And uh, was just recently implemented, and maybe it still wouldn't have been implemented, but Biden finally signed an executive order forcing the FDA to comply within 120 days of his signing, because I guess we just live in the world where laws are passed and people can ignore them um, for years if they want. Okay, you say four years ago, but Mm -hmm. that's only six months in FDA years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really hope there's an executive order that makes the FDA start using standard years again. Oh, if only if only that was a thing you could just do someday. All right. And what else you got? Uh, The other thing I have is that um, I was going to have for my troop deployment that the Iranian protesters are possibly not going to get much done just by protesting. Generally, you need a when you have an entrenched power like um, the imams, you you need to use some sort of force to get them out of there. And they're not just going to roll over because you're marching in the streets. And so I was going to suggest that maybe uh, they uh, hook up with the Kurds, who are a ethnic minority that is kind of in the border between Turkey and Iran and Iraq and still don't have their own nation. And they've been trying to get one for many decades now. Uh, and the two of them together can implement some violent reforms. Turns out they scooped me um, in the fact that uh, this this started out as a Kurdish thing from the very beginning. The woman who was killed for incorrectly wearing her hijab by the morality police was a Kurdish woman in a Kurdish town in the Kurdish section of Iran. And actually, this is very significant for the political situation on the ground there. Um, all of their initial protests and initial smothering of protests by killing people was happening in the Kurdish regions, and this is tied into that whole Kurdish sovereignty movement as well. So, um, yeah, that's that's just a big thing that has important implications that I thought should not be left out of our reporting, and I am now mentioning it. And from what I know, I am the first person to report on this, <laughs> but that's because <laughs> I don't watch a lot of news. All right. Well, thank you for the uh, exclusive. Indeed. All right. We're going to go on to the new news. Uh, And we'll start with China, everyone's favorite autocracy. Yay. Um, So, new last week, uh, Biden, our president, decided that he didn't like the Chinese semiconductor industry, so he murdered it. Very effectively, too. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, way, Way more effectively than normal government action. The effectiveness is kind of yet to be seen. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely taking a good shot at it. So what he did is issued an executive order, uh, imposing what are called export controls, which I had never heard of before this, 
but apparently that's just a thing he could do. And it required anyone working in the Chinese advanced computer chip industry to have a license, um, which nobody has. And I don't know if there are any plans to grant any, Hmm. although I'm sure, you know, a few cronies will get them. Uh, But basically, it means no U.S. business or individual can work in this industry. Uh, And there were previously many uh, U.S. citizens working in the Chinese advanced computer chip industry. Many of them in very high-level positions. Yes. Uh, And they have, from from what I've heard... Basically, all of them have stopped working yeah. because of this. The, yeah, because the, the American citizens have, and that that is absolutely devastating to the Chinese industry right now. And it's just a quote from the article that I'm going to link from Fortune. It says, The new rules bar U.S. persons, who include both U.S. citizens and permanent residents, from supporting the, quote, development or production of advanced chips at Chinese factories without a license. It's the first time export controls on China have extended to people rather than just organizations or companies. Um, and everyone I've seen writing about this is pretty convinced that this is going to have a, a, a very strong effect um, and will set back Chinese like military and like AI capabilities by five to ten years or so. Oh, and. If they can just find some way to put those controls on U.S. chip manufacturers as well, we'll have some extra time to figure out how to make AI not kill us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I'm not holding my breath that that's a thing they'll do. Oh, not even a little bit. I mean, setting back uh, China's AI progress seems like a worthwhile thing to do for non-human extinction related reasons. That's true, yeah. too. Yeah, I don't disagree. And a lot of the worst stuff that uh, China is doing just, like, domestically uh, is really processor-intensive. Like, they're, um, they're one of the reasons their repression of the Uyghurs is going so well is because they have all these, like, uh, facial identification and movement tracking systems hooked up to a ridiculous number of um, surveillance cameras in Xinjiang. Uh, so yeah, this is like, this isn't just saying, oh, your, your hypothetical possible future technologies that, uh, you might've wanted to use, they'll, they're going to, uh, you're not going to get those, but you don't currently have them. No, it's, it's like actually hitting at their current capabilities that they're using to do shitty totalitarian stuff. All right. Well, speaking of Chinese surveillance. Inyash, what is our next piece of China news? Uh, satellite data is often used to like give a, not a fact check, maybe a sanity check on various nations' claims about GDP because it looks like just about every nation in the world kind of exaggerates what their GDP actually is. And the more free a country is, the less they exaggerate them. The, the really uh, strict uh, autocratic ones uh, tend to exaggerate by quite a lot and it looks like China's doing the same thing. The satellite data they use is basically things like uh, how lit up regions are because that's power and energy usage during the night and that is a decent proxy for how developed some th- an area is as we can see with the North Korea-South Korea right line divide. Um, anyways satellite data uh, compared to other countries and what we know of what GDP probably is implies that China's GDP is about 7 trillion dollars less than what the communist party says it is 
which is huge. It's like 70% less uh, than what they're claiming. I can't believe China would lie about that. <laughs> yeah, communist <laughs> countries have never lied about their economic data. Yeah, Not and I, I, I read this article, and it's actually a lot more than satellite data. It's just like a lot of country-by-country um, country comparisons being like, oh, weird how as soon as an autocrat takes over, the GDP gets a lot more suspicious. Mm-hmm. And weird how all the gains are in areas where it's notoriously hard to prove yeah. and easy to fake. Yeah. And like other areas are advancing exactly as how you'd, pre- uh, how you'd predict. Hmm. But yes, yeah, also the satellite data. So I don't know. I read it. I thought it was pretty, pretty convincing. I don't know about, about the numbers, um, but yeah, it seems like it's pretty suspicious. And on the heels of that suspicious d- behavior, uh, China was supposed to release official economic data last week um, before uh, the Communist Party meeting happened that they have every five years, which we will get into in just a moment. Uh, but they delayed the official economic data release for absolutely no given reason. They just said, uh, we will give this some other time uh, in the future and we're not telling you when or why uh so you know that was i guess also sus yeah it it was released today yes I so did it's just that. delayed by a week yeah um but who knows why certainly not you know to, to fix the numbers no i'm sure no. they're super accurate yes um but uh what so what is so what is the uh the next thing that you were hinting at well, every five years, the Communist Party gets together. I mean, not literally every communist in China, but the the uh, party high-up officials get together and decide who is going to be in charge for the next five years, who's going to be in key positions. And uh, all six members of the uh, com- standing committee uh, have decided, of course, to put Xi in for another five years, as probably most people have heard by now. Xi Jinping being the guy who's been in charge for the past decade. Uh, the... Committee traditionally had a longstanding practice of balancing the factions. Uh, since there's only the one party in China, the there are various political factions that are represented all through that one party. Uh, and it was all tried to stay relatively balanced in the past. There's been some periods of imbalance, but, you know, uh, at right now, all six members are considered very close associates of Xi, uh, which is, I think, the first time it's happened where every single member is in his party, uh, making him have quite a bit of power at this point. And also, surprisingly, four of the six uh, previous members resigned to make way for the new blood this year. Uh, two of them were kind of expected to resign. I believe they were at or nearing the age of uh, mandatory retirement, but two others left um, without without needing to. So he's uh, he's grabbing a lot of power in China right now. God, imagine having a country with mandatory retirement ages for your government officials. <laughs> Must be nice. Uh, I think you mean ageism. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, so here's the thing that I learned this week. I have no idea how to pronounce the president of China's name. Because I heard a podcast today where some China expert was pronouncing it C. Oh. Like Spanish for yes. Huh. I mean, you look at it, 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 it looks like Z. I've heard everyone pronouncing it she or Z. Yeah. And now they're saying C. So I have no idea how, how it's actually pronounced. So if somebody, one of our listeners wants to let me know, uh, please, please do so. Could be one of those sounds that's impronounceable to the Western tongue. And therefore, you know, we just make best do we can. 
Uh, it's like do, aliens. Do you remember where the China expert was from? No. Okay, because there are like different dialects of Chinese in. So, oh. jury is out on whether they're different, um, different dialects or different languages. Because China kind of does the opposite of what Eastern Europe does, where Eastern Europe has a bunch of dialects that they pretend are different languages. China has a bunch of different <laughs> languages that they pretend are dialects. So, uh, if he's from, like, one of the southern coastal areas, then maybe he, like, um, is a native, um, uh, fuck. Mandarin. No, Mandarin's the main one. The other one. Mainstream one. Um, Cantonese? Cantonese, yes. Uh, he might be a native Cantonese speaker, and she is more like the, um, Mandarin pronunciation. I don't know. I don't speak Chinese. Whatever, that's dumb. Everyone should just speak English. I agree. Right. All right. Uh, Inej, how are the markets reacting? Oh, well, real quick, before the markets, uh, also the party charter was amended. This was another big thing uh, that is different from usual. There's two establishes uh, in the party charter now that call on party members to recognize Chi as the core of the party and to regard his governing philosophy as a key tenant of party rule. Uh, and there's now two safeguards that require party members to protect his status as the core and to safeguard uh, the party's leading role of politics in China. And so interestingly, he has not anointed any successor. Uh, there's no one who's obviously the person being groomed to come up, the, anyone who's young enough to take over after him, which is, in my opinion, kind of a big deal because when you start getting supreme leader status and there's nobody to take over, obviously, after you were to die or something were to happen, I can really throw a country into chaos. Yeah, uh, I but, mean, I mean, I notice you haven't talked about how he busted through his term limit. I, you know, I don't know if it really counts in China to have term limits. I, it, it really it does used count. To. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, yeah. Like, the 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 three predecessors to Xi both respected their term limits, and that was kind of a big deal. Um, so yeah, uh, officially, um, according to the reforms that Deng Xiaoping laid down after Mao died, um, this position is only supposed to be held for a maximum of ten years at a time. Uh, Xi has just been reelected for his third term, which will represent years 11 through 15 uh and like there were some fairly aggressive and unpleasant political players uh before him most notably Zhang Zemin uh who did respect their term limit and didn't try to hold on to power so yeah she has effectively declared himself president for life with this because there's yeah. from here from here to his death there's no obvious shelling point at which he'd retire. And speaking of retiring from this post, one of his predecessors was a fellow named of uh, Hu Jintao. It was uh, Xi's immediate predecessor, I believe. And he ended up getting perp-walked out of uh, the meeting after she was elected. Um, he uh, was supposed to give a speech, and instead a couple of men in suits walked up to him, took him by the arms, and walked him out of the room. So that probably didn't end with him face down in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> I love, the thing I love about that is that that is the thing that everyone is like suggesting a prosecution of Trump would be. 
what what getting like, dragged out by the arms and shot yeah they're like oh well look at these like other shitty companies where when a new ruler comes in they like you know throw the old ruler in jail um and they act like that's the same thing and i'm like uh so a we're talking about an arrest and not a summary execution yeah. and b trump did actual crimes i mean <laughs> Look, that other guy probably did actual crimes. Let's well, yeah, that, you're not wrong. But he did the sorts of crimes that heads of state normally don't get prosecuted for. Hmm. Like, let's be honest, George W. Bush did a lot of crimes. Yeah, but, cr- de- Trump definitely did a lot of crimes that are not the normal type. Is is it, like, serious speculation that he's actually been executed now? I mean, as far as I know, he hasn't been seen in public since. Oh, damn. Okay. He might be riding in a cell somewhere. Yeah, it's possible. You know, she might be keeping him around in case he needs him later to come out and make some kind of hostage speech. Or take the blame for something. Yeah. Everything that went wrong during Xi's rule is actually just the consequences (laughs) of my previous term that was really bad. He's he's gotten lucky to deal with it as well as he has. Definitely. Yeah. Um, So that's uh, cool. Dictator (laughs) for life in China. Love it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the markets reacted uh, extremely poorly by this. The China stock market crashed, uh, I think, by like double-digit percentage points. And the tech stocks in particular, I believe this is probably also um, deeply related to Biden's move, are down drastically. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm kind of surprised that the markets reacted this way. Because like, what? why? Uh, well, because she is still... not very good at his job. Oh, like, bummer. like he's really good at getting and holding power but he's actually just kind of an incompetent if you look at his actual leadership like a lot of his flagship policies have just completely failed yeah i also read that like all the guys he put in charge of everything are just like they're all their expertise is like military and surveillance and there's no like economists or, like, bureaucrats or people that, like, know how governments work. Yeah, that mm-hmm. scans. Yeah. He's also committed to the zero, zero COVID thing, which is just destroying China right now. Oh, God. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, at this point, do does anyone actually think it's about COVID and not just, like, a preemptive crackdown on political dissent? <sighs> I don't know China's businessman. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maybe, speaking yeah. of COVID, uh, actually, before we move on, oh, I do have. Man, I had a great transition. <laughs> it, it was, was. A, it was a really good transition, but I do have to do a uh, quick. David is David was wrong. Uh, so what I was predicting, and I believe I did this on the record on the podcast, either a civil war in China or a war with Taiwan before. Um before the uh, meeting of the Politburo Standing Committee. And the meeting has come and gone, and there have not yet been any wars. Uh, I'm I'm still fairly confident that if Putin hadn't completely and utterly shat the bed, uh, she would have tried to follow suit. But uh, that we'll never know one way or the other, so I'm not going to try to claim credit for that. All right. Well, that's good news on two counts. One, no war. Awesome. Two, we don't have to have an episode without a David was wrong. Yeah. Also, (laughs) no war yet. I mean, look, 
That's always that's always the case when you say no war. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. Well, back to my excellent transition. Yes. We were talking about COVID, and uh, we have some COVID news. Oh, First COVID news fuckers. is bad news. They decided to make a more lethal strain of COVID in a Boston University laboratory because I don't I don't know why. <laughs> you got to finish that sentence. That? Because we're very because, stupid people. Because they need tenure, and to get, tenure, to get tenure, you need to publish papers. Because and we are a society of spoiled children. In, uh, in biochemistry or whatever the fuck, you need to create a potentially uh, catastrophic pathogen. Because there are no adults in charge anywhere. Correct. I, we need some kind of national policy of anyone who conducts gain-of-function research automatically loses any tenure they had and are placed on a no-tenure list. No tenure for 10 years. Yeah, we, we need some... <laughs> we need... What we really need is some kind of research institute, possibly named after a kind of uh, cheap laminated wood used in construction. <laughs> if no one... Uh, uh, if anyone's listening to this that doesn't read Svi Moskowitz's blog, A, what are you doing, and B, uh, he just started a research institute called Balsa Research to try to fix the or a society of squealing infants who can't do anything unless that thing is bad, in which case we're great at it problem. Speaking of which, aren't we going to have a very special episode of The Mind Killer, maybe? Well, I maybe. guess people just need to give us money on Patreon, and then they'll find out. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, also, so related to that, we did the same thing with monkeypox. God, why? <laughs> we just decided to make a um, more deadly version. Didn't, didn't we cover this with the Torment Nexus? Do we need more bad monkey virus strains? Apparently we do, because that's what we're getting. Lame. And, you know, I'm sure this is all very smart. Lots of smart people are doing this. Uh, yeah, this is the thing that we're doing. Uh, it's completely insane, but here we are. Is the monkeypox one um, also in Boston University? What, what, what's the details with this thing? Um, let me see. Bethesda, Maryland. In a U.S. government lab. Yeah, I'm, I'm yes, very this, disappointed. <laughs> this is the government doing it. Not not uh, some private university. That's fine. I'm sure the government has never messed anything up. Certainly yeah, right? nothing public health related. Yeah, don't we always talk about all the time how great the government is at everything? Yeah. I have gained so much trust and respect for my institutions over the past few years. All right. Well, speaking of our institutions, I'm going to keep this transition train rolling. Awesome. What's our next piece of COVID news? Uh, the CDC advisory. Hey, oh. our most trusted institution. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to. This, this happened a little bit ago, and I wanted to do a follow-up search, but I haven't done a follow-up search yet. Uh, so I don't know if there's new news on this, but the CDC has an advisory committee that advi recommends it doing things sometimes. And this advisory committee unanimously, unanimously, there we go, unanimously recommended that uh, the CDC add COVID vaccination to the recommended immunization schedule for children. And this has started a little bit of a kerfuffle between, I don't know, science is real and anti-vax people i i 
I don't even know what to call the two sides anymore because everything is fucked up and everyone is stupid uh, and no one is doing any science. Um, Both sides are the science's real side. Yes. There we go. Thank you. One, one side is the criticizing me is criticizing science because I represent science side. And then mm. the other side is, uh, yeah, it, it, it'd be fair to call them anti-vax. Yeah. Well, the uh, the one side that does not like this is saying that uh, immunizations are absolutely not needed for children, that this is not a thing that harms children, um, which is true. And also that uh, requiring this, a not requiring, putting it on the recommended vaccine list uh, would make this a requirement for vast number of children to get into public schools, which is also true. And it's been followed up with a lot of people saying that's not technically true, that this would simply um, put it on a recommended immunization schedule. There's no mandates to have this immunization schedule be um, be a gate for people going into public schools, uh, at least not on the federal level. And that is that is correct. However, there are many, many places that use that recommended uh, schedule as their actual required mandated schedule, like the public schools here in the great state of Colorado. Uh, so if it gets on the recommended list, then un it's almost certainly going to be a requirement for children in many states to get it, unless it's specifically excluded uh, by legislation. So... Okay, so... So basically what I'm hearing is we're bringing back that song and dance we had so much of during COVID that I absolutely hated where people who um, people who actually like make decisions on local levels say, oh, we're not making this decision. We're just following CDC guidelines. Take it up with them. And the CDC says, oh, we're not mandating anything. We're just issuing uh, non-binding guidance. Take it up with the local decision makers. So we're doing exactly that again. That. Cool. Yes. I hated that. Let's All set right. everything right. on fire. Everybody settle down. Okay. I refuse. All right. <laughs> Did you read the last paragraph in this article, Ineash? Uh, this was a while ago. I don't even remember if I read the last... All right, well, let me tell you what it says. Okay. It says that the CDC added the HP HPV vaccine to the recommended schedule in 2006. Yes. And since then, uh, the only states and territories that require it for public school attendance are Puerto Rico, Rhode Island, Wa and Washington, D.C. Yes. Um, and Virginia requires it for girls. So there are some exceptions made. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be a state level decision um but this does give cover to the meddling people who want to be like everyone who want who basically who want to put it on the list yeah it's gonna be in my um prediction here a thing that blue states use and red states don't yeah well i mean obviously that's what's gonna happen yeah um but you know maybe not like i said the hbv vaccine didn't get added um i think a lot of states are probably not even blue states are probably not going to put it on just because, God, what a hassle. I was just at a local convention run by people who are way too woke, and they had fucking mask mandates. Jesus, what is in this? In a convention of a few hundred people. Or I know, that's what I said. It was, I, I walked in the door and I was like, are you kidding me? I signed up to be on several panels, and now I wish I hadn't because I have a commitment to honor, which maybe I wouldn't uh, be staying around. It, it really made it far less fun and also look, uh, physically unpleasant. Look, you're never going to get an argument from me that people aren't crazy. Yeah. 
But, you know, if you're a blue state governor, you got to think about a lot before you add this to your mandate for, for school children. Because okay. what's actually going to happen is lots of school children are not going to get that vaccine and then they're not going to go to school. And then your state is not going to test well on, uh, you know, all the all the school things, which, in my opinion, is fine. But in their opinion, is terrible and the worst possible thing that could happen. I'm thinking that a lot of them are probably going to think that's the next governor's problem. Ooh, can I do a follow-up live as we are recording? Yes, you can. Okay, uh, so the CDC did add it to the um, routine immunizations list, as recommended, three days ago. Uh, also, at the same time, Youngkin says Virginia will not follow their recommendations on COVID shots. I don't know if Youngkin is the governor of Virginia. He is. He is. Okay. So that is at least one state that is saying no, and I don't know, is Virginia a blue state or a red state? It's purple, but Youngkin is very much a Republican. Okay. Uh, so that those are he's the live updates those, I have. So he's far. one of those moderate Republicans. Well, he's one of those moderate Republicans, but he's also the guy who made critical race theory a national issue. Also, if you have an R after your name, I no, think that it's was fair Rufo. to say you're very much a Republican. Was it Rufo? Um, yeah, it was, well, no, Rufo no, it was a was, big pusher was, of it. Well, Youngkin made it a big part of his campaign. Yeah, like Rufo. But his whole thing, his whole his whole campaign was basically like, uh, <laughs> "Hey, parents, do you know what they're doing to your children in these schools?" So it's uh, it's not surprising to me that he's the first one out there saying like, "We're not doing this." Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it's dumb. Kids don't need the vaccine. They're very well protected from COVID. Yes. Um, and the rest of us are gonna just keep getting it forever. I don't but it's going to be getting less and less deadly. Yeah. And we're going to be year. getting more and more immune, so it's fine. We'll we'll make it. I agree. I wonder about the um since it doesn't matter for kids anyway, but the vaccine is basically harmless anyway, does it does it matter? I mean, it's pretty unpleasant. It's true. But only for like a day. Also, is it less unpleasant for kids since they're basically immune to COVID anyway? That's an excellent question. I don't know. Yeah, so well, so last time we reported on this, it was um that the the shot really isn't that bad for kids, but it also doesn't really do anything. Cuz they gave them like one fifth of a dose or so. Um I don't know if that's changed since then. That was a while ago. Mm. But we'll see. I guess. Uh-huh. All right, anything more about this before we move on? That's it for me. All right. Well, I'm going to do a, do a transition here. Ready? Speaking mm. of things that are really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> next story is about Liz Truss. She did not beat the lettuce. She did not beat the lettuce. Oh, <laughs> uh, Liz oh Truss God. is out as the prime minister of Great Britain. Um, what was it, like 50 days? Uh, 44, 54, I believe. Oh, man. It was not many. Uh, yeah, and like... Five days before she left, some tabloid put up a head of lettuce. I was like, let's see which lasts longer, Liz Truss or the lettuce. <laughs> um, and it was the lettuce. The lettuce one. Yeah. And and also, let's not forget, like, 30 of those 44 days were the morning period for the queen. Yeah. I thought she only got 10 days. Oh, uh, whatever. Really th- yeah, I think I was just 10 days. So she had, you know, it, it felt four like good weeks. Month. Yeah. Yeah, she if had I'm about ever, a month. If I'm ever on my deathbed, governing. I hope somebody puts a head of lettuce up online. 
to see if I will outlast the lettuce. <laughs> that would be a great way to go. I will take note of that. Sweet. <laughs> All right, when Eniash goes into hospice, hospice, get a get a webcam and a lettuce. Yeah. I mean, I hope to never go into hospice at all, but if I do, that would be wonderful. Um, you'll just go. It'll just be for your meat body. It'll be fine. Then you'll okay. wake up in the glorious transhumanist future, and you'll get to watch the video of the lettuce outlasting you. Yeah. Ooh. Maybe by then they'll have a. Oh, maybe they'll have kept the lettuce as an artifact because by the time I'm about to die, I'll be like really important, and uh, people will will want to remember the lettuce. That's no, the spirit. That's not. That's not what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Eternally hopeful. Uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't actually think we covered anything about Liz Trust before. So, d- does anyone want to tell the people what what her deal was? Uh, yeah, she basically came into office, did a bunch of uh, debt finance tax cuts, r- refused to elaborate, then left. <laughs> yeah, it really was just like, we're going to do these tax cuts! And everyone was like, we hate that! And she was like, whatever, we're doing it anyway. Uh, and then they were like, we still hate that, and now we hate you. And she was like, okay, bye. She also wanted to get rid of a uh, energy subsidy for um, consumers, right? I believe she implemented the energy subsidy for consumers, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't I, know about that. I all I, ever, all I heard her, about was the, the tax cuts. The, I thought the thing that made her really unpopular among the peoples was the, uh, the, the energy subsidy being yoinked away. But I mean, maybe I'm remembering it backwards. Sounds like the kind of thing she would do. Well, I guess it doesn't matter because she's gone anyway. Yep. Uh, yeah, this says she she was implementing a subsidy. Oh, wow. Okay. I got that exactly 100% wrong. It's okay, though, because we corrected you on the episode, so we don't have to do a segment about it. Oh, next thank goodness. Episode. We'll have to find something else that we did wrong next episode. Well, don't worry. I'm sure David said something that's wrong already. Every now and then it's a non-David member. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like... <laughs> You know, it's it's and David. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, uh, it's because I'm the only one of the hosts who cares more about generating good content for our generous fans than I do about, you know, being right. It's nice. Being mere yeah. crudely factually correct. That's <laughs> right. Never change. <laughs> I don't plan to. The new prime minister is going to be Rishi Sunak. Um, who actually campaigned against Liz Truss in July and was like, everything she wants to do is dumb and bad. (laughs) Um, And then was proven very right. So they're like, okay, I guess we'll go with this guy. Um, Notable for woke reasons because he's an Indian and a Hindu. Uh, I believe the first person of color as prime minister of Great Britain. Yes, I love how all these historical firsts are going to the uh, notably, quote unquote, racist and sexist conservative party, because <laughs> they also had the first lady. Yes. Well, he's also a billionaire banker, so you know yeah, that makes up for it. That does help. He also <laughs> yeah. totally looks like a Silicon Valley tech bro. Yeah, he does. Oh, I haven't seen pictures. Wait, is that yet. racist? Against Silicon Valley tech bros? It, I, no, it, against so Indians. It's not. It's not because I'm talking about the goddamn sweater vest. Oh no! God damn it! I'm gonna have to Google a picture of him. I'm googling uh, it. I don't a, see any sweater vests. Um, He's just wearing suits and all of these. Okay, so this isn't a sweater vest, but it is a long-sleeved oh. gray Stanford T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Did he go to Stanford? 
or is he just wearing it? Yeah, he probably went to Stanford. All right. Well, it's, it's not a hoodie, so it is not a Silicon Valley cliche as bad. Well, everyone likes him because he's not Liz Truss, so we'll see how yeah. long that lasts. Yeah. My guess is a week. Just like every Silicon Valley bro, also not Liz Truss. All right. Moving on to Europe news. Uh, Inyash, you've got, a, you've got a Ukraine story for us. Uh, I do. The um, Ukrainian airspace is uh, increasingly being filled with drones, and we are getting to watch the first like drone war happening Um in in real time which is i don't know it's just kind of interesting i don't have much to say about this except for the fact that you know there's drones that are a huge part of the military operations in ukraine right now uh, on both sides and the counter drone technology is evolving as we speak very similar to you know various other wars where they develop things like radar or whatever in the middle of the war to combat problems they were having in the war and uh this is this is going to be I hate to say neat to watch because people are dying, but it, it is kind of interesting seeing drone warfare evolve in our lifetimes. I am unfathomably disappointed that the uh, uh, link for this story is not just the YouTube video of those two quadcopters jousting. Oh, I haven't seen that video. Oh, you haven't? Oh, man, <laughs> it's great. Uh, y- you got to watch it right now. It's like 20 seconds long. All right. Well, that'll definitely be in the show notes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so other sort of Ukraine related, um, but European news is that Europe might have too much liquid natural gas, which is weird because there is a huge gas shortage because of, you know, Russia not selling liquid natural gas. Wasn't it like the biggest problem in Europe just two weeks ago? Yes. Um, so apparently what happened is everyone has just been like panic buying uh liquid natural gas so like all the storage facilities are full and there's a whole bunch getting kept on ships that have no place to put it oh shit yeah um weirdly now prices are like way down but they're still three times the average uh for this time of year so it's not crisis level yet but there is this dude that I'll link um, that had a Twitter thread up about how he's speculating that you know prices might go to zero temporarily just because n- they need somewhere to put this gas. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of so it's the panic buying plus the weather has been milder than expected, mm. uh, and the forecast through October is still pretty mild. So uh, they've been they've been using less than expected. Which I guess is good. Yeah. It's a better problem to have than the opposite. Yeah. Yep. Here's hoping the mild weather continues. Yeah. Would be uh, would be a good year for it. Okay. Uh, video is up in the Discord for you guys and the show notes for our loyal listeners. Excellent. All right. <clears throat> um, it is 17 seconds long, so I'm just going to watch it. I'm seeing a drone. There's another dr- Oh. <laughs> it just smacked into a drone. What is this music? This is like techno music. Neat. Yeah, I uh, I don't know what the music is, but for those of you too lazy to click through to the video, uh, this Russian uh, quadcopter was doing recon in the same space as a Ukrainian quadcopter, and they saw each other and decided to joust. Huh. And I didn't. I didn't realize this was actually them fighting. Yes. 
Yep. Cool. That that was an honest to god no shit combat action in the Russo-Ukrainian <laughs> conflict of 2022. Cool. All right. Um and one more piece of news from uh in in the new news section is that Alex Jones uh has been uh given a new jury verdict. You'll recall last time we covered Alex Jones it was cuz he was assessed about 50 mil- billion dollars. No, 50 million dollars from Texas, I think. And we went over how that that was never getting collected and it was going to get reduced cuz there's these statutes in place. Um he has a new jury verdict for almost a billion dollars from a Connecticut jury. It's a fuck ton of dollars. And this one is probably not getting reduced. Isn't it actually probably going up due to punitive damages not being included in that? Yes. So this is compensatory damages only. Um, Which, if you'll recall last time, the reason it was going to get reduced was because they were mostly punitive damages um, and there are statutes limiting that. Connecticut doesn't even have those statutes, but judges can limit punitive damages at their discretion. Um, But they cannot um, limit compensatory damages without a really high standard of evidence, which... You know, my the the legal experts reading this I've seen um, all agree that that's probably not going to happen. Um, and yes, there could be even more in punitive damages. So this is a real deal. Uh, Alex Jones is pretty effed here. So I just want to point out that if you want people to stop questioning the official narratives of stuff, Saying that the state will come after you and fine you a billion dollars if you question the official narratives of stuff is just an absolutely A-plus, 10 out of 10 fantastic way to get them to do that. That doesn't even sound like a real number. Like, uh, the state's going to fine you a billion dollars. Like, is this a joke? Am I in a movie? All right. So the state did not fine them anything. These were individual plaintiffs who went to court and proved their case. Well, yeah, sure, but, like... It's going to be, you know, operatives of the state who are enforcing the ruling. So I gotta say, I hate Alex Jones, and I'm really, really glad he's getting fucked. But also, a billion dollars of compensatory damages? Was that it? Yes. Compensatory. How how do they get to a billion dollars of actual damage having been done? Oh, the the jury makes up a number. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) But there are also, like, 27 different plaintiffs, and each individual plaintiff testified as to like how alex jones made their life a living hell um so i i understand why you guys are skeptical about this but i wanted to put this in happy news uh because i think this is justice because alex jones the whole thing here was that he these are the uh the sandy hook families yeah whose kids got killed yeah by a, a school shooter and alex jones decided that what would be great for him to do is tell everyone that Sandy Hook was a hoax and these people are all liars. Um, and they experienced just, you know, all kinds of harassment and uh, bullshit. bullshit. After their kids were killed. After their kids were killed. Could yeah. you imagine your child getting killed in a school shooting and then having to deal with that? Like, fuck that guy. And, like, they didn't actually have to prove that he had had committed defamation because this is the one where he just wouldn't give up. He wouldn't com- cooperate with discovery. So they got, they won by default, mm. but for the punitive damages portion of the trial, they did 
like testify as to like exactly how he should have known and and obviously did know that he was lying. Well, the thing is, like like I said, I'm glad he got fucked. I think a billion dollars is absolutely great for punitive damages. I'm just skeptical of the com- uh, compensatory part. Billion dollars, good with the number. Seems high for it being a compensation, and that should be like punitive instead. Well, I think it's because there were so many plaintiffs. Yeah. Okay. And they assessed damages. Like the jury went through and assessed individual damages for each plaintiff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I I just I reiterate that like there's no way in hell or double hell that Alex Jones isn't going to be make gonna be able to make hay out of this. Like, uh, it's obviously going to be the globalists are trying to silence me, and I need your donation. I don't think he can get a billion dollars of donations. Probably not. Yeah, I mean... So what does this mean for him? Uh, Well, so it means that he's... It probably means he's bankrupt. Right. Um, And he's actually already in a bankruptcy proceeding. Which is kind of nice because there's a trustee who's managing his money. So anything that comes in immediately goes to the trustee, and then the trustee pays it out to his debtors. Yeah, so are they actually going to be able to go after InfoWars for this? Or is there something about how limited liability works that means they can't? Uh, No, InfoWars, I'm pretty sure, was a defendant here. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so that that's like the really big news for me, because uh, you know, going after Alex Jones the man, um, well, for one thing, he almost certainly is uh, judgment proof, certainly to the tune of a billion dollars. But going after Infowars and bankrupting the company, that I, I'm not sure how exactly that'll end up playing out, but that's probably going to end up being a much more consequential hit to him, uh, ultimately, than yeah, uh, it would be if it was just against Jones himself. Yeah. Now, the thing about InfoWars is, I think, it's like I doubt they have any big assets that aren't just like Alex Jones himself. Like, all he really needs is some radio equipment to do his show. Once you're bankrupt, though, the people can't get that money, and you're no longer, like, liable for it in the future, right? Not necessarily. Um, bankruptcy is overseen by j- j- a judge, mm-hmm. and they can they can assign, like, future income streams. Um, like, so he so, could, like, have his wages garnished by 50% for the rest of his life? Yeah, maybe. Um, from what I understand it, I mean, InfoWars is a company, so they could assign ownership of the company in bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm assuming the company would just stop operating without Alex Jones. Seems, oh yeah, without Alex Jones, sure. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a bankruptcy lawyer, so I don't know exactly how it works. Um, but my understanding is this is very consequential for him. Oh yeah. And a great, as, as David was saying, a great message for any other people who would want to fuck over parents of dead kids for (laughs) i think i don't think that was david's point i think i think david's point was like this is chilling to free speech no my point was more that like if you think this is going to make alex jones's fans shut up instead of making them worse than they've ever been uh you're probably in for an unpleasant surprise oh that's entirely true oh they are never going to shut up about this 
but you know they were never going to shut up anyway so what are you going to do yeah and i mean the real kick in the teeth uh, about this whole debacle is like you can think that sandy hook was a hoax to push gun control without thinking that the kids and their parents were crisis actors like the government is entirely capable of murdering people and again, oh, I, can, oh. I can I can get out my receipts about the shady stuff the CIA did in the 1960s if we want to go there. So not a hoax necessarily, but like a conspiracy. Yeah. Like- oh, that's definitely true. But one of the things that came out in this trial was that Alex, Alex Jones's numbers of listeners and like the income he took in saw huge spikes whenever he like did a big thing on, on Sandy Hook. And... You know, I so I he was very good at engaging his audience yeah. and and keeping them invested, and I I'm sure that the whole crisis actors thing was a big part of that. Yeah, yeah, probably some toxoplasma of rage going on there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, fuck that guy. Seriously. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to happy news. Good news, everyone. Yay. All right. Um. Our first piece of happy news is from Germany. Uh, yeah, so after very careful consideration, the German government decided to not let its people freeze to death, or at least <laughs> not this winter. Uh, it has extended the life of its last three power plants until spring, and hopefully Hooray. they're just in an eternal state of uh, temporarily being pushed out until they finally just like accept that they're not going away. But all right, so every three yeah. months we'll do happy news. Germany didn't turn off the news. <laughs> yep, it's a it's a very good way to get the uh, Germany centric happy news numbers up. So, <laughs> I, I'm, are, you, are you saying Germany has maybe a deficit of those? I, I'm suggesting that perhaps there may be some metrics gaming going on here. Um, <laughs> And I see Sweden also. Yeah, so Sweden uh, has contracted with a Finnish company to explore what it would take to heavily nuclearize the Swedish grid. How sweet. All right. Yeah. Go Sweden. Hell yeah. All right. Next piece of happy news is about international shipping, everyone's favorite subject. It is. Uh, I know that we covered this when it was happening near the beginning of the pandemic, but uh, one of the things that happened was that shipping from the uh, container shipping from China to the U.S. exploded in cost. Uh, it was at about $1,500 per container before the pandemic. It peaked at about $20,000 per container, which is just horrible. It makes it much harder to trade. Uh, was which- this related to all the ships waiting at the ports? It, it was related to a number of things, but that was a big one, yes. All right. Wait, so, yeah. sorry, you said it was at 15,000 before the pandemic? 1,500. Okay, yeah, those are different numbers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it was at So it went from 1,500 to 20,000. Yes, and uh, it Sounds is now... Bad. It, that, it was very bad. Uh, it is part of the reason a lot of prices went up. Uh, but it is now plunging, and it is back down to just under 2300 last I saw, uh, which isn't quite down to 1500 yet, but we probably never will get all the way back there. It is almost 10 times less than it was at its peak, so very good news for everybody who needs things in order to live. Hooray! Yay! All right. Um, and next piece of happy news is... 
Real throwback from Pompeii. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this, I don't know. This is news because it was something that was discovered in the last two weeks. And it made me very happy that I had to share it with people. So I went in happy news. Uh, they found a gold bracelet in the ruins of Pompeii, which is that Roman uh, city that got uh, hit by the volcano. And so a lot of it was preserved. Uh, about 2,000 years old. Uh, it's a gold bracelet made it with over a pound of gold. The metal content alone is worth more than five years of a legionnaire's wage at that time. And it has engraved on the inside, from a master to his slave girl. Which just makes me happy for, you know, how humans were kinky and awesome to their subs from... From the very beginning of time. Yes, um, yes. I'm sure it was a kink thing. Yeah. Let's move on. Don't correct him. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Hold on. You, I'm sorry. You think this a a actual slave owner gave an actual slave a pound of gold? You think it was the other way around? <laughs> that yeah. this was like a husband and wife just uh, playing playing doesn't, master slave? Doesn't even necessarily have to be husband and wife. Or like, actually, yeah, I don't know how. Yeah, I. It really could have been either. Mm, yeah, I, I would, I would see a a kinky dom sub relationship having this thing happen ten times sooner than I would see an actual slave owner doing this for an actual slave. Uh, All right, okay, so let's go they with that. Also had a kinky dom sub thing going on as part of their, you know, otherwise non consensual relationship. All right, works yeah. for me. <laughs> all right now Next i feel like maybe this isn't happy news you guys are bumming me out i, I, I mean a, an actual slave owner giving a pound of gold to a slave is still happy that's, that's fair guess it's yeah. like better than the alternatives kind of happy <laughs> yeah i mean in ancient rome you could buy your freedom right uh d- depending at the time but yes oftentimes yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like America. Where it's like once a slave, always a slave. Yeah. Uh so either way, either way, good news. Um but anyway, that's not our only human interest story. Iniash has got us another one that's um maybe a little more straightforward. <laughs> and much more modern. Uh the, it's just a cool video of um a a firefighter leaning out a window looking up uh, above him there is a suicidal man and he does in fact jump and the firefighter catches him as he's plunging past him and saves his life it's fucking amazing cool yeah yeah that's neat uh, all right i i assume the i assume that this isn't a uh opening scene of the Incredibles situation like it, it's one of those situations where like the guy tried to commit suicide and then was like, oh, I immediately regret this on the way down. <laughs> From what I've heard of people who have survived suicide attempts by jump, uh, something about the falling makes you immediately regret it as you are falling. Okay, cool. Holy shit. And anyone this who does is... survive those generally has a newfound appreciation for life. All right. This so thing that's linked a, is uh, a video of this happening. We are sure this is a saved life, not a ruined death. Cool. Yes. At least, I'm going to go with yes. Okay. If it was someone who, like, actually had a terrible life and wanted to end it for, you know, other than psychological reasons, they'd probably have access to some sort of um, sufficient physician-assisted stuff. Listeners, you should click through this link. It's uh, quite a video. You guys are just trying to bring down all my happy news this week, aren't (laughs) you? Well, your happy news is kind of unusually ambiguous this fortnight. Also, (laughs) we really need to talk about the the physician-assisted suicide stuff going on in Canada because it's fucked up. 
Well, not during Happy News. Well, I hope. N- yes, not during Happy News. It is decidedly the uh, the other kind of news. Yeah, I-, I think we did lose Wes. Right. Well, that's it for Happy News. On to troop <laughs> deployments. As we all know, uh, politics is the mind killer, and arguments are soldiers. So, at the end of each episode, we invite each of our hosts to deploy a troop out onto the battlefield. I think I got that right. I think you did, too. That's amazing. Nice. I don't think I could have done that from, uh, from memory. And, as always, we will start with David. Thanks, David. So, my... hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can oh, hear yeah, you. Yeah, welcome back. Oh, that was weird. I could hear you the whole time. Oh. Huh. Uh, I don't think David fucked that up too bad. Oh, he did a really good job of just jumping in the middle of a crisis and taking charge of things. Uh, <laughs> kind of like a firefighter catching a guy midair. <laughs> right? In happy news this week, David fucking saves the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> After being uh, 15 minutes late and almost ruining the podcast. Well, you know. So, uh, you know. He made up so, for it. Oh, man. There was a dude who did a similar thing in the Phillies game, and I can't remember his name. Because I'm not actually a baseball fan. Oh, jumped well. Jumped out a window or saved a podcast? Uh, basically both of those things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, now right. you have to elaborate. Oh, no. He just, like, really fucked something up and then hit a home run, so everyone liked him again. Nice. Oh, okay, cool. Um, all right. David, troop deployment, go. Yeah, so my troop deployment is that you should delete your PayPal account. The, uh, the... Immediate reason for this should not be surprising to anyone who listened to our previous episode. PayPal has been doing some shitty stuff with their terms of service, basically authorizing themselves to steal money from anyone who, in their judgment, has naughty opinions and who is keeping money stuck in their PayPal account. Uh, I don't know whether if you have a PayPal account linked to a bank account, if they can, like, reach into your bank account and take money out of it. Uh, but I have seen some reasonably intelligent people saying, like, make sure you delete all of your payment information off of PayPal once you get your money out and ideally delete your account altogether. Uh, hmm. I did this and my God, PayPal made it so ungodly difficult that my already fairly high assessment of them being up to something seriously shady and no good went up even more just because no one who is not trying to hold people hostage makes things that annoying when it comes to account deletery. So yeah, I would recommend anyone who is still on the PayPal train get out while the getting's good. Um... Like, if necessary, and you really want to be safe, like, contact your bank and make sure that they deny any transactions coming from PayPal. But, yeah, it it's not good, guys. Get out while you can. Wow. All right. Uh, question about Venmo, because that one is also very popular, uh, and I know it's owned by the same people. Do we worry about Venmo, too? So, my worry about Venmo is just on priors. As far as I know, they haven't, like, specifically tried doing any of the shady terms of service stuff. I am worried a non-zero amount about Venmo, but uh, I am not uh, as worried about them as I am about PayPal. Cool. 
All right. And, uh, Thank if, you, David. If I hear anything about Venmo specifically or any other payment processor, you will certainly be hearing about it, dear listener, either in a future news segment or a future troop. All right. Thank you, David. Eniash, what do you got? My troop deployment is very short this week because the goddamn Kurds stole my actual troop deployment. So instead, I went back to my Twitter feed to find a recent tweet that was great because, you know, Twitter, if you're following the right people, just just be a cool place for uh, interesting takes. Uh, anyways, this this troop deployment is a verbatim read of a tweet by Alyssa Vance, uh, which reads that one big lesson from COVID is that some people really want to make visible token sacrifices for the common good. This is a deeply held intrinsic need. A great leader should be aware of this and adapt by choosing the optimal visible token sacrifices. I was reminded of this, of course, by my weekend experience at the convention. Uh, this is, you know, like, really something that is very important to people. And if you try to start your own rationalist cult or whatever it is that you're doing with your life, keep in mind that uh, some token visible sacrifices could really make people uh, go a long way in wanting to join your organization. People want to make sacrifices to the gods. Make sure the gods are good. And to be seen doing it. That is the important yes. part. So other people know they're good. All right. Thank you, Eniash. Mm -hmm. My troop deployment this week is vote for the blue team. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is our last episode that's going to come out before the midterm elections. So I'm going to urge everyone listening to vote for the Democrats and urge people you know to vote for Democrats for Congress and Senate. For state and local elections, do your research, look at policy positions, and judge accordingly. But for national elections, there's no need to do that. The only question is which party you want running Congress, and I don't think it's close. Over the summer, and especially after the abortion decision, a lot of polls showed Democrats having some unexpected popularity. But the most recent polls show that the numbers are swinging back toward the Republicans. And that's bad. As we covered extensively, the Democrats suck, but they suck way less than the Republicans. If you've been listening, you know why, but just to recap... Democrats nominate boring, normal judges. Republicans nom nominate crazy ideologues. If the Republicans take Congress, they won't allow Biden to nominate any more judges. The seats will just remain vacant until there's a Republican president who can fill them. Democrats think elections should be counted fairly and gracefully bow out when defeated. Yes, even Stacey Abrams. Republicans think if they don't win, it's evidence of fraud, and that's just going to get worse if they're given actual power. D Democrats support Ukraine. Republicans have already started grumbling about how we need to stop sending them so much support. If the Republicans take Congress, it might limit the amount we're able to help. Democrats actually care about things like financial stability and America's credit rating. Republicans have already announced that if they retake Congress, they're going to play debt limit chicken again. Democrats' big showy investigation was the January 6th commission, which was actually good and uncovered at least a few pieces of evidence that we didn't previously have. It was also, you know, investigating something that actually mattered. If the Republicans take Congress, they're immediately going to launch a Hunter Biden investigation and hold hearings once a week. It'll be Hillary's emails all over again. Democrats' incentives are to tame inflation, keep unemployment low, and keep growth high so the economy is in good shape for the 2024 election. Republicans' incentives are the exact opposite, and they will do everything they can to wreck the economy over the next two years. There's no way Democrats are going to pick up seats in the Senate, so anything that gets passed is going to need Joe Manchin's vote, and he's not going to allow any of the crazier stuff they want to do. And Joe Biden is still going to be in office, so even if the Republicans have any good ideas, they won't be able to pass anything. If they take Congress, the only legislation that will pass will be bipartisan legislation, which as we've covered extensively is often the worst kind. So please support the blue team. 
I'd love for the Republican Party to become something other than a bunch of Trump sycophants and crazy people. But the only way that's going to happen is if they keep losing elections. So help them lose this one. Vote Democrat for Congress. Oh, that was very Pollyanna-ish. Was it? Yeah. I thought it was just like, my team's better than the other team. Uh, I mean, it's a the troop deployment. This, yeah. this is where we put yeah, our, you know, spiciest yeah, takes. We're not allowed to respond to troop deployments. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you will have to have a counter troop deployment next week. Yeah, probably. I'll, oh, I'll it'll be too late to matter. Bitch about something else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, I, on that note, that's our show. Please follow us wherever you follow podcasts. Leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on Substack. If you give us your money, in return, you'll get early episodes, you'll get access to our full bonus episodes, and you'll get access to our subscriber only Discord channel. And speaking of bonus episodes, uh, we just released one with Weird from Assorted Calibers. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, you probably got the first half, but the second half is even better. So give us your money and get get the other half of that because it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. If the Republicans take the Congress, I'm just hoping they finally get to the bottom of Benghazi. <laughs>